0: Hello, and welcome to this live recording from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. So sit back, listen in, and enjoy what God's got to say to you. Today we look at the passage in Acts chapter 8 where uh, there is an interaction between uh, Philip and a eunuch. We know that most churches have a purpose and a mission, as it were, uh, to allow people to get to know one another through small groups and connect groups, uh, to reach out and to evangelize uh, God's world and and equip God's people. And so those who come within the walls of this church to to tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ. But also, uh, the mission field begins when we exit these four walls, as it were, and to begin to share the good news with those we come into contact with, our neighbors and our friends, those who live next door to us or cross the road from us and those in our office block and wherever we find ourselves in our different vocations. I think sometimes uh, we expect the wrong things when it comes to our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and in sharing that faith. Uh, But as as we look at this passage today, we hope that God will reveal himself to us and we can pick up uh, some tips on how to share the good news uh, as we come into contact with people. Well, this morning I want us to consider how we can take the good news of Jesus Christ to those who live in our community. To those who live across the street from our church and across the streets from our homes. We read in the New Testament that God wants us to share what we have heard. In other words, the reason for the filling is the overflow. And God has blessed you and I to be a blessing. We all know that we should be doing this. But how is another story. If you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 to 20, Paul writes to the church and he says, Without oversimplifying the purpose of the church, he says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Paul saying, listen, once upon a time, you were ex-Christ, outside of Christ. But now you are in Christ, you're in Christ. And so now that you're in Christ, what does that mean? Therefore, anyone who is in Christ... The new creation has come, a new building, as it were, that God is reconstructing in you and in me now that we're in Christ. Old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That word ministry there, the service or the relief, as it were, of what? Of reconciliation. Now that we're in Christ, God has reconciled us and has given us that ministry of reconciliation. That word reconciliation is the word katalahi in the New Testament. Which means he has adjusted our position from X outside of Christ to N inside of Christ. He's exchanged that. And before we were at enmity with him. But now there is, because of the atonement we are at one with him. We're united with him. He has restored us Back to favor with him is what that word means. Favor with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he has given you and me that service of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed, that word committed, he has placed or appointed. He has ordained and purposed and set up what? What? To us, the message of reconciliation, that word of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Wow, that word ambassador, we all know. We act as representatives of Christ. Figuratively, we are preachers of Christ. Some more boldly, others, but more gently. But we're all ambassadors as though God were making the appeal. Through angels, through megaphones? No, through you and through me. Through us, the Bible says. And again, that's the purpose of the church. To uh, bring this ministry of reconciliation uh, through humanity and God. And I think the, the beautiful symbolism of the cross there. Uh, this The vertical uh, component of reconciliation between uh, humanity and God. And then the horizontal component between humanity and fellow humanity, to call people as ambassadors back to God and then back to one another, but also to, to reconcile humanity and creation, to speak up for, for God's creation, that we cannot abuse and rape this earth because God has made it, and we are part of that. And because we're being created in His image, we reflect who He is, and we've been given this ministry Of reconciliation. C.S. Lewis puts it this way The church exists for nothing else but to draw men to Christ, to make them into little Christs. If they are not doing that, all the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, even the Bible itself, are simply a waste of time. God became man for no other purpose but to reconcile. Us back to himself. And so there are people who are living across the street who don't know about the Lord Jesus Christ. They might be good people, they're honest, they're friendly, they're kind people, but sadly are without Jesus. And they don't even know that their eternity is a frightening one. And so Before he calls us to make disciples of all nations, we're called to evangelize, to share the good news. And that word evangelizo means to to proclaim the good news. Ev, good, and angel, messenger, good message. So he uses you and I, if you like, to go and share the good news with those we come into contact with. Today we look at a, a man, his name is Philip. Wasn't one of the apostles, but was one of, of the men chosen by the church in Jerusalem to serve as a deacon. And as he serves or waits on tables in his role as a deacon, he shares the good news with those he comes into contact with. If you read in the early part of Acts chapter 8, they were on a, this mass evangelism crusade, as it were. And many came to faith in Christ, but then God calls Philip out of that crusade to go and share the good news. Philip didn't fully understand what was going on, but in his obedience he steps out by faith. Now, folk, mass evangelism with these huge crusades with Billy Graham and Franklin Graham have been amazing. But not all of us can do that. But what does he called you and I to do? And so today is a great case study of what we can do as directed by this passage uh, in Acts chapter 8. And I'm going to ask Patricia if she'll read it for us, please.
1: Our reading this morning is taken from Acts chapter 8, verse 26 to 40. Let's hear the word of God. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south of the road, the desert road. That goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kendek, which means queen of Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, Go to the chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture of Enoch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before the shearer, is silent. So he did not open his mouth in his humiliation. He was deprived of justice who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth. The eunuchs asked Philip, tell me please. Who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As he traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuchs did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing, Philip forever appearing at Azotus and traveled about. Preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Amen.
0: Thank you, Patricia. What can we learn from this interaction uh, of Philip this morning? How can we share the good news with those we come into contact with? I think, firstly, we need to listen for God's instructions. Uh, Philip was busy doing his work as a deacon uh, in the city But he was sensitive enough to hear God's new message. And we read in verse 29 Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, God used this angel to tell Philip to get moving toward the desert. God may use an angel to speak to you or to me. But normally, he speaks through his word, he reveals a message to us. And so he could easily come and evangelize the whole world with the good news by sending a whole lot of angels, but he has chosen not to. And, folk, every time you read about an angel in the Scriptures, it's never giving the good news about the Lord Jesus Christ to people. In other words, it's not there to evangelize. The good news is a message from God to people or to a specific person. But if God has chosen you and I to go and share the good news about the Lord Jesus Christ to those we come into contact with. And we read here that as Philip was doing his work, the Spirit told Philip. He called him, he commanded him, and said to him to go to that chariot and stay near it. It Wasn't uh, anybody else but the Holy Spirit who directed Philip to approach the chariot, listening to what God had to say to him through the Holy Spirit. Folk, God speaks very audibly to you and to me if we are prepared to listen. So step number one is to listen for God's instructions. But I think without uh, making anybody feel bad, including myself, we're so busy with everything around us and the busyness that we forget to hear God's voice. In fact, we might not even forget to hear God's voice, but it's so busy that we don't hear God's voice. Sometimes we misunderstand what God is saying if we do hear. Reminds me of this couple who were married for 60 years. And the husband said to his wife, honey, I'm proud of you. And she replied, I'm tired of you too. Perhaps not understanding the clear message of God. Because there are so many other things around that are a noise. If you know the book Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby, he says, God speaks by his Holy Spirit through the Bible, through prayer, through circumstances, and through the church. And so as we are prepared to listen to God we'll begin to hear his voice because God is speaking. And if we are his children, we hear his voice if we are prepared to listen to him. But with all the busyness around us, it's hard to hear his voice. God is speaking these days. The question is, are we listening? If you read the story of Elijah in 1 Kings 19, Elijah, tired, discouraged, ready to give up and die, desperately needing to hear from God. Bible tells us that there was an earthquake and a a, a raging fire, a powerful tornado, so powerful that it it split the rocks. But God was not in that. It says, God, King James Version says, God called in a still, small voice, in a calm voice, Quiet, thin is what that word means, voice. The word voice there still means thunder. God spoke, but in a quiet thunder. And Elijah was sensitive enough to be able to hear it. So that's why we call our daily time with God a quiet time. Because we take time out to hear his still, small voice. Nowadays, uh, young people can multitask apparently, listening to stuff and trying to hear God's voice. Wow, that's amazing. But, friends, I suggest to you when we take time out to intentionally, purposefully listen in order, or hear in order to listen, we're able to respond to God. Secondly, we need to look for divine appointments. To look for divine appointments. God told Philip to leave the crowd and head out into the desert. Verse 26, we read, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road. That goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. He never told Philip where to go exactly. If God... Would you speak to me? I'd say, God, what time do you want me to leave? Can you just specify that, please? Which highway do you want me to go on? And can you direct me exactly to the place? Well, if that's the case, folk, then, you know, there's no need for faith. Remember Abraham in Genesis chapter 12? God calls him and says to him, take that first step, as it were. Go out, and as you take that first step, I will direct you. Remember Moses? standing before the Red Sea, at least two million Israelites behind him, Pharaoh, horsemen and chariots, and in frustration, in in Exodus chapter 14, we read, God, what am I to do now? And God responds to Moses and says, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to go forward. In other words, take that first step. And once you've taken that first step, I will guide you. You know, it's... It's hard to turn the steering wheel when the car is not turned on and the car is moving. Once the car is moving, it's easier to turn the steering wheel. But we often want God to give us the, the GPS code and the, you know, the, the coordinates in absolute detail. Well, friends, why do we need faith in that case? God calls us to take that first step and he will guide us. We know that he will never lead us where his grace cannot keep us. He'll never lead us where his Holy Spirit won't direct us, but as we take that first step of faith. And so Philip goes down onto the road, sees this African eunuch, government official, and begins to interact with him. Why? Because he looked for that divine appointment. And as he listened to God, and as he looked for that divine appointment... We know that he hears, as he comes close to the eunuch, he hears. And we're told by historians that whenever they read the scriptures in those days, they read them out aloud. And as he hears the eunuch reading out the scriptures aloud, he goes and realizes that this is a divine appointment. An appointment ordained by God. Because he listened and was obedient, he was able to look what God was saying. And I suggest we need to be spiritually in tune enough to recognize these divine appointments. If we look for them, we will find them. And there are a number of them that come across our path every day. At the office or while communicating with our neighbors, God brings these spiritual appointments, these divine spiritual appointments where we can share our story about Jesus or our faith Uh, or our church with those we come into contact with. He has arranged this meeting, but if we don't understand that and don't look for it, we'll never find it. No coincidences in God's economy. Thirdly, we need to have a chat by asking questions. Philip did that. He asked a simple question in verse 30. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet, Do you understand? And that word understand means to, are you aware of what you're reading? Do you perceive? Do you know what you're reading? Philip asked. And folk, we need to listen carefully in order to reply to this person. And many, many times we've got it all together and we're going to give the answer when that's not even a question. And so it's important to feel the person's pulse, their spiritual pulse as it were. To begin to recognize that interaction and what the need is. And that comes through asking questions. There are many different ways of presenting the gospel. And perhaps we can use a number of different ones. But by asking questions it helps because we begin to be sensitive where the person is at spiritually. And so there's a little uh, acronym there, FIRE. Ask questions about their family. Are they married? Do they have children? What is their family situation? Because you can begin to interact with people. If you're from Africa, they will ask you, how are you and how is your family? They will ask you, they're interested in family because that's kind of the background, what it means to know the person. And so you ask these kinds of questions. You ask about their interests, their hobbies. what, What stimulates them? What interests them? You ask about their religious background. Most people in our nation don't know the difference between a religion and a denomination. There are five or six major religions in the world. One of them is Christianity. And under the the religion of Christianity there are a whole lot of different denominations. Protestants, Orthodox, Roman Catholics. and So we don't even know the difference there. And... They will ask, what religion are you? No, assuming that you're a Christian, they're asking, what kind of church or denomination do you go to? They will ask you, what religion are you? Because people don't really know in a post-Christian Australia. And so you begin to ask certain questions. Because if you ask certain questions, you can pick up their background. And then you ask certain inquiring questions to determine their spiritual condition. Do they go to a particular church? What is their understanding of faith in Christ? Is it all about works? Is it all about being good people and not harming other people? Or is it about the Lord Jesus Christ? Are there perhaps atheists? I've just finished, uh, finished two weeks um, doing lectures at the uni on uh, introduction to theology... and you begin to ask certain questions... or sorry, not ask certain questions... you begin to pick up where where people are... by the questions they ask. And folk, can I say this... that the younger generation... those uh, that are at uni... are asking, inquiring questions. I was shocked. I thought that they would be cynical... that they kind of see no light at the end of the tunnel. But we're going through a time where the parents don't know about the Lord Jesus Christ, how do they hand that over to their children? So we've missed a whole generation. But let's acknowledge that. So how can we plant seeds in people's lives so they can get to know who Christ is? And we need to speak not spiritual jargon, but speak a language that they can understand because they're very bright. And very sincere. And they want to know about the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we ask some of these questions, it's not to say, well, you know what, you're a dummy. You've missed it. Turn or burn. No. It's to be able to find out where their heart is. When they respond to us and we interact with them, we pick up the questions and where their spiritual temperature is, if you like, in order to respond to them intelligently with compassion, and with love. Philip did that. Fourthly, we need to get their agreement to share with them. And so, in answer to Philip's question, the Ethiopian asked Philip to explain what it meant. In verse 34, the eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about here? Himself or someone else? Important step. Because... We often ignore that. We just barge in and we embarrass ourselves by being overzealous, as it were. And we invite persecution upon ourselves and we call that spirituality. That sounds harsh, but hear what I'm saying. We might be pushy and, and very tactless at times. And we might go and, and speak this long sermon to people when we have, you know, we're not even answering their questions because we haven't been able to listen to their questions. and We begin to offend. And so we sound like this pushy salesperson in a store who's trying to push something down their throat. Nowadays, I really think that friendship is probably a good step forward in trying to share the good news with those we come into contact with. So people can begin to trust us, and they begin to realize that, that, you know, we, we have no hidden agenda, if you like, but we want to tell them the good news about the Lord Jesus Christ. And as you interact with them through asking questions, and so asking their permission to share the good news, you begin to pick up who is like that fruit who is ripe to be picked for the Lord Jesus Christ. And folk, uh, other times you see that they are green. And you know what's really encouraging? I'm not the Holy Spirit. As my wife regularly reminds me. She's wrong. No. I'm not the Holy Spirit. But what I am is a seed sower. And as I begin to Listen to God. And as I begin to look for those divine appointments, as I begin to reach out by asking questions, I can maybe uh, interact with these people through friendship, and they begin to trust. And and as that friendship grows, uh, their heart opens up because they, they realize the sincerity of who we are as men and women of God. Fifthly, we need to use the Bible don't have to carry this big book in our pockets. But to know perhaps a couple of, of scriptures. We read uh, in verse 35. Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture told, and, and told him the good news about Jesus. Well, friends, it was Isaiah 53 that Philip was re- uh, that the eunuch was reading. And Philip was able to take that very passage and explain to him the Good news. In other words, he was able to evangelize to this eunuch about the good news about who this person was. Explain to him that this one spoken of in Isaiah 53 is the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Philip was on his way back from Jerusalem. He'd just gone and he'd uh, worshipped God there. But he wanted to know a little bit more with what had been read in Isaiah 53. And as Philip hears that, he interacts with him. You and I have the whole New Testament that we can share with those we come into contact with. And as we do that, perhaps we can share John 3.16 with them. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And explain that gently to them. Perhaps, uh, Romans 6.23 for the wages of sin is death and we don't need to focus on the truth of the wages of sin is death they know that if they don't we can focus on the good free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ and that's not compromising the gospel but rather than focusing only on the negative, we can look at the positive of the the free gift of God because as they come to faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit will convict them. Sometimes we need to tell them about uh, they're missing the mark and, and going off and doing the wrong things. But as we present the love of God to them, the Holy Spirit convicts them and brings them to faith. We need to use the Scriptures And allow God to do his work. And finally, we need to encourage them along their journey. Encourage them along their journey. As we do that, the word encouragement means to breathe fresh heart to those we come into contact with in that next point there. As Philip encounters this situation, we realize that the Ethiopian knew about baptism... Verse 36, as they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? He'd already trusted in Christ. And uh, so was so excited. He couldn't wait to be baptized. And so you don't see Philip saying, well, you know what? There are a number of ways you can be baptized. You can be sprinkled. You can be kind of a little bit uh, a full cup. But because we're Baptists, you need to be... That's not the point. That's not the point. And so as they go on the journey together, Philip helps this this Ethiopian eunuch complete his commitment to follow through with that commitment. The Bible says in verse 39, when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. The eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. He'd experienced the grace of God He'd experienced the Lord Jesus Christ, and he was filled with joy. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Then Enoch trusted the Lord Jesus Christ. He obeyed and was able to go on his way rejoicing. And a couple of struggling Salvation Army officers wrote to William Booth telling him that they were having difficulty in their work, that they had tried every way, they were unable to get any converts. He gave them, or he gave them this terse reply: "Try tears." They did, and they had revival. Leonard Ravenhill has said this: "Our eyes are dry because our hearts are dry." Our eyes are dry because our hearts are dry. In fact, we have this slogan in Australia, each one to his own. Mind your own business and I'll mind mine. That is non-Christian, I might say. And so as we reach out, we begin to fit sense the sensitivity of those who are going to lost eternity. So I want to suggest to you that wherever God has put you, Why don't you sow a seed there? If it's in the office, if it's at home with your neighbor, it all starts with a little seed that gets sown. And as we are faithful in watering that, by doing whatever God calls us to do, God, by his Holy Spirit, will allow it to grow bigger and bigger and more beautiful as time goes on. What he calls you and I to do is to sow a seed where he has planted us by listening to what he has to say, by looking for those divine appointments so he might get the glory out of it. Wow, desperately dependent on him, but we need to look where he's directing us and listen to where he's sending us. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for your word to our hearts We acknowledge, Lord, that we can never accomplish anything in our own strength, but only by the guidance of your Holy Spirit. So Lord, give us spiritual ears to hear your voice, spiritual eyes to look for those divine appointments, and Lord, the the right spiritual words to say what you call us to say by sowing those seeds for your honor and for your glory. Lord, we are desperately dependent on you for this. Help us, Lord, we pray. So you might get your rightful glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. If you'd like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, then you can contact the team at Mount Pleasant Baptist Church by calling the office during office hours on 93291777. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to your company again soon. God bless.